Um, in, in my first sermon that I did uh, regarding the miracles of Jesus, we looked through this uh, series in a sense. Uh, I started helping us, well, for the last Sunday, so the, the, the last, my last sermon, I, I laid out a biblical and theological framework for understanding how God's power that was given to the apostles and the disciples in the New Testament is still available for us today. And so if you did not hear that sermon and you have questions, I want you to go back and listen to that so you can understand how I developed a theological and biblical framework for that. I also showed in Scripture how the Holy Spirit was moving and active through the church in Corinth, as well as in uh, the church in Rome and in Jerusalem. And that same power that was given to those churches and many more in the area of expansion of Christianity is still available to us today. In the first sermon of the series, I I talked about the healing that Jesus did with a man who had leprosy and how this person was excluded from community and that God not only showed compassion to this individual, but that God's power demonstrates power over anything that makes someone unclean. In the second uh, miracle sermon, I talked about the person who was paralyzed and was lowered down through the roof, and not only did Jesus show compassion to that person as well, but also used it as a teaching lesson to the Pharisees to explain that God's power is stronger than sin, that sins can be forgiven, and that a person can be restored both spiritually and physically. The sermon after that, Pastor Abby uh, taught in John chapter 5 and went through and explained the question that Jesus offered this individual and asking, do you want to be made well? Which indicated that there was a change that this person needed and perhaps many of us need, a change in our heart and the way we think and that our trajectory of hope needs to change towards a trajectory in Christ. So again, this demonst- that healing demonstrated uh, power to heal a man who had been an invalid for 38 years, that he was restored completely. So this power that was given to Jesus and then to the disciples and the apostles to perform miracles and to do many miraculous signs and wonders, again, I argued that that is available to us today for those who have given their lives of Christ For those who have chosen to turn their lives over to him and their wills over to him, they can experience that as well. And today's sermon is the last one, although I could probably do four or five more on just this topic alone. We're going to talk about the power of God through the Holy Spirit in confronting evil in this world. In Matthew chapter 28, at the end of chapter 28, Jesus says, "'All power and authority has been given to me.'" In heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have commanded you, for surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That not only did he mean that, but he also indicated that all the power and authority that was given to him and everything that the disciples are going to need to expand his kingdom here on earth, they have been given. Then I gave the challenge to our congregation last week and said, we need to start living more 
we need to start living more into our covenant affirmation, which is a conscious dependence of the Holy Spirit, that we affirm this conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit for all things. And when it comes to the spiritual realm of things in this world, it's important to recognize that Satan has power in this world, and it's weaker than God's power in this world. But because of the victory of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, sin has been defeated, death has been defeated, and ultimately the entire victory has been accomplished through Christ already. And we need to live into that victory as we encounter situations in our world. Last week, Pastor John even talked about how God answers our prayers. And when we petition God, he answers them with yes, no, maybe, well, yes, no, slow, grow, and go, right? Did I get that? All right. I was paying attention. And that sometimes we don't always like the answer that God gives us or the timing in which our prayers are answered, but that we are called to be faithful and obedient to God's direction in our lives. But I want to start off this sermon, even though it's been like four minutes already, I want to read a couple of scripture passages. The first one is in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. And then in 1 John 4.16-18, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. These models for performing miracles and doing these miraculous things through the power of the Holy Spirit is a victorious model. It's a confrontational model. It is essentially God confronting the evils of this world, confronting sicknesses, anything that is unclean, and there is a direct confrontation between good and evil, and God's power always overcomes, even that in the natural sense. Think about it. I mean, Moses parted the Red Sea. Elijah parted the Jordan River. And so did Elisha. Jesus calms the storm. In fact, his conquering death over nature, right? Jesus raised many people from the dead, as well as some of the prophets, not to mention the disciples and the apostles, When we speak about this avenue of healing, performing miracles, casting out demons, or whatever it is, we claim the victory and the power of God now. Now. And we plead on Christ's behalf to intervene in those situations in which we encounter. We petition him that his power would be revealed not only through confrontation, but through intercessory prayer. So we're going to look at this confrontational model in Luke chapter 4, verses 33 through 41. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to one another, What words these are? Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over, bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. And at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, "'You are the Son of God!' But he rebuked them. It would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. The demonic spirits and the evil powers of this world cannot stand in the presence of light, cannot stand in the presence of Christ as the light. They are confronted and they are bound. They are, they leave. This is typically the model we see when miraculous things happen in this world. The light of Christ casting out evil. Sometimes in this world, I think we might miss the fact that there are sometimes situations that are controlled by demonic forces. And we might just see those things as a normal problem and not think anything of the fact that it could be a spiritual issue. But I want to challenge us this in this area. I said this a lot. I'm sorry. I want to share a story. I don't have this person's permission to share this story. Four or five years ago, our youth pastor, Austin Penn, was having huge issues with bedbugs in his house. His wife, Stevie, was waking up with bumps all over her body. It was miserable. They called the exterminator. They came and they had to wrap their clothes up in plastic and... They went through spraying the entire house with bedbugs, for bedbugs. The bedbugs kept coming back. They got a new mattress. I remember they needed money for a mattress. They got a new mattress. But they were having a horrific time. They just kept coming back. The exterminators finally gave up and said, look, there's, there's nothing else we can do. We've done everything. We've been out here three or four times. So Austin came to me and he said, hey, Jeremy, I, I heard you've gone to people's houses and kind of done like a cleansing of, of evil spirits at their house. Could you come over to my house? Because I think that this is some kind of spiritual demonic attack that's, that's happening in our home. I said, sure. So I grabbed someone from one of the ministries associated with our church. We got prayed up for a couple of days. We went over to the house. Austin showed us around and he was like, yeah, it's just this, our bedroom upstairs here. It's, they're, they're nowhere else except here. Um, so I asked him and Stevie to go and circle the house and pray the whole time we were in there. I went through anointing the house in oil and just proclaiming the power of God would be felt in this place, casting out any unclean spirits or demonic forces that was in that house. But here's the thing. I never knew what happened. I never went back to Austin and asked him, hey, uh, so whatever happened with your bed bugs? Did they go away? In fact, part of me was losing a little faith thinking, well, you know, what if, what if God's power really wasn't strong enough to get rid of those bed bugs? You know, I don't want to, you know, like the pastor, you know, hey, you must not be very holy like John, right? So, you, you know, something you failed. So I never knew and I never pressed him about it. And then four months ago, I was talking with Austin, 
And he said, hey, do you remember when you came to my house years ago and you prayed, uh, you went through my house and prayed about the bed bug issue? I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, you know, I can look back at that situation and I can tell you that our marriage was under attack by Satan. We were trying, there was a force trying to divide us and separate us. We were dealing with some difficult issues. And I can look back and I realize the bed bug problem was only occurring in our one room. They weren't anywhere else in the rest of the house. He's like, and after you came by and you prayed, they never came back. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like, I never knew. I'm so glad that that it worked out. I was like, yes, right? It wasn't me. It was God. And I was excited to hear that. There was another instance where a person came to me and told me that they were experiencing some demonic forces in their home, and it was manifesting itself in a very physical way through their bed being shaken uh, throughout the night, through faces that were appearing above their, their bed, and uh, whispering that was happening in their ear of one of their dead loved ones, who was, it was a spirit that was deceiving themselves, making her think or him think that it was, a, it was their dead relative talking to them. Would you come over? I said, okay. So I grabbed someone from our church who's a member here who has the uh, gift of discerning spirits. We went to the house, and we met this person, and we said, look, um, as we go through the house, we might find some things that need to be thrown away. There might be some things that are inviting this presence into your house that we're going to have to get rid of as we go through. And they said, okay, um, that's fine. So we went into the house, and it smelled of stale beer. I mean, alcoholism was a huge issue that this person was experiencing, uh, and people in the house were experiencing. The house was in disarray, and as we went through the house, we were finding stacks of pornographic videos and violent video games, dream catchers, and all kinds of objects that did not sit well with us. So we were loading up the trash bags. We went down into the basement where one of the bedrooms was, and the person I was with said, hey, you know, I can, I'm getting a real strong a sense here that there's some evil things going on. And so as we looked through the room, we saw incense and candles, and uh, on the shelf there were a bunch of witchcraft books. And so we picked those up, threw them in the trash bag too, went through the house, started praying and anointing the house with oil and just proclaiming God's victory and power of the situation. But we told this individual... If your situation doesn't change, and you're going to continue inviting these people over into your home and have relationships with these people who are bringing you down, there is no guarantee that these spirits might not return to torment you or the people living here. That person decided to move out, and I feared that the situation in that house continued on afterwards. And in that explanation of those spirits returning, Jesus gives us an example of that in Luke chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. It says, When an impure spirit comes out of a person and it goes through an arid place seeking rest and it does not find it, then it will say, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. They go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Now, it's important to recognize that not every issue and problem associated with someone who's experiencing physical pain, ailments, disease, deformity, or whatever, is associated with a demonic spirit or presence influencing that person there. And it also doesn't mean that that might 
actually be happening. Instead of thinking of it as, you know, it could be one or the other, or it could be both, you could say, you know, what is this? And we're, and we're praying about it and trying to figure out what's going on. In fact, Jesus healing these people in Luke chapter 5 and John chapter 5, there is no indication that evil spirits were being taken out of these people when they were being healed. There was just a physical and spiritual healing that needed to happen. But in the passage I read in Luke chapter 4, it's clear that some people had demonic presence in their lives that were being cast out. So I just want us to realize that some situations involve a very strong spiritual stronghold, and others it is a physical or spiritual issue to where reconciliation with God needs to happen. These strongholds in our lives, these issues that we continue to turn back to are a real problem because you see Christ has already redeemed all of these issues in our life for those who have accepted Christ. Christ has set you free. Christ has redeemed every single one of us and sometimes it is so hard to let those things go. Those are the strongholds in our lives. You think of strongholds like addictions or negative self-image, anger, hate, hurt, Maybe things that cause insecurity, pain, or shame. Christ has redeemed all of those for who are in Christ or a new creation, but yet we turn back to those cheap substitutes. In fact, this was a huge issue in the early church. Paul admonishes the church in Corinth, telling them, look, you can't be celebrating these acts. They're totally immoral. They're totally against the goodness of God. Don't celebrate these things. Cast these people out of your church. He even told the church in uh, Colossae, in Colossians chapter 3, he said, look, you used to live like this, people, but you can't live like this anymore. You've got to replace these things with the goodness of God and start living this way. It was a huge issue. There were strongholds in people's lives then. There are strongholds in people's lives now. Some of those things we self-impose on ourselves because of what we subject ourselves to, and other things are of of no fault other than our upbringing or how we were raised or situations that we had no control over. But the things that we choose to watch on television— the things that we choose to listen to on podcasts or Spotify or Amazon Music or whatever else can have a deep impact in your life. Choosing what you're going to eat, how much you're going to eat, where you're going to eat, who you're going to eat with, what you choose to watch on the internet, what you view on the internet, what social media people you follow, the influencers. I told you a couple of months ago, probably maybe it's longer than that, that I quit Facebook twice. I was just getting so irritated and frustrated by the posts that I was seeing, and I was like, all right, I'm I'm done. I'm canceling. Done. And I felt like I was missing out for a week or two, but then after that, I was like, man, I'm feeling a lot more joy. I'm feeling a lot happier. I stopped listening to these people, and you know what? I'm, I'm feeling great. In a confrontational model, we need to take seriously that there are demonic forces at work in our world, and Christ has already one. It's Satan's last attempt to try to grab at any scrap he can, but ultimately he's lost. And we can go into those situations boldly with the light of Christ living, into, living in us to shine into those dark places in our world. In fact, a great plan of attack, instead of having a great defense, sometimes we need to have a great offense in Ephesians six ten through 18, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after that, you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, all this, take up the shield of faith which you are which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, you must be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. If you don't think that we are in a spiritual battle right now in this world, you are mistaken. There are all kinds of decisions and systems in place that are working against God. And some of those things are controlled by evil forces. Some of those things we just live into without recognizing that there is a strong spiritual influence working against the kingdom of God. And we do not fight against flesh and blood but that we fight against these powers, not only through confrontation, but through intercessory prayer, that we intercede for the saints, we intercede for others, that we petition God, we, we lay our requests before God, that he will answer in his perfect timing. We have experienced spiritual attacks. I had three people all within a week, probably if it was a couple of months ago. I know I keep saying a couple of months ago. Everything happened two or three months ago. What happened two or three months ago, John? John went on sabbatical. And then it was like, oh, man, I was just dealing with everything. No. But I had three different people come to me and explain the exact same spiritual attack of what was happening to them in their house. And they ex- described it exactly the same. And I was like, it's, I'm asking myself, what is the spiritual attacks that are wanting to keep these people uh, down? What are these spiritual attacks? What is God wanting to do in these people's lives that they're being attacked so strongly in these areas? You know, as we think about spiritual attacks, I've been attacked. I know John's been attacked. Our staff's been attacked. I know some of you have been spiritually attacked. And maybe some of you are under spiritual attack right now as well. Maybe something or someone telling you you're not good enough, that you're never going to make it, that you're always going to be messed up, or that you're never going to have a right relationship with people, or this or that. Those are all lies of Satan that are wanting to keep you from experiencing the freedom that God has given to you through Christ Jesus. And there is power in prayer. And God is asking us to intercede on behalf of one another, that we can come together as a community to pray for one another, to uplift one another, and to carry each other's burdens. But there is a real spiritual force working against us, and it's not as strong as God's power. If we are experiencing spiritual attack, we must ask ourselves, what God, what must God be doing in our lives right now? You see, Satan isn't concerned about anybody who's sitting on the bench. Think about it from like a sports metaphor. You know, the people on the bench are of no concern to the people on the field because they're not in the game. But when you come out on the field or on the court or in the pool or whatever you're, you're competing in, then you have the power to be victorious. 
And so attacks will happen. I'll tell you, I never really paid that much attention to this spiritual aspect of this world. I kind of discounted things pretty quickly. Even growing up, my parents didn't really acknowledge much of the evil spirits that exist in this world. They said, well, just don't think about it. Don't give it any power and it'll just, it'll be okay. And I didn't realize that there was real power in Christ to be able to confront evil. But look, I can tell you that it's easy to discount the things that happen in our world and just count them up as just a fleshly thing when in fact it's a spiritual model. We do this all the time. And I do this sometimes as well. In fact, we could look at some of these miracles from Jesus and just say, hey, when Jesus was healing these people and these unclean spirits were coming out of these individuals, that was just mental health disorders that Jesus was healing right there. He was, he was healing those people from mental disease. That's what we associate evil spirits with. Let's say, kind of, I guess, that, that's true in some instances. But how do we look at Matthew chapter uh, 8, verses 28 through 34, where Jesus confronts these people and, and that were possessed, and Jesus casts those demons out into a herd of pigs, and they go and they run off a cliff into the water and die. Did Jesus all of a sudden impose mental illness onto a bunch of pigs? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So again, instead of saying both or either or, it could, it's like sometimes... It can be a spiritual aspect, and sometimes it's a flesh aspect. But Jesus heals miraculously and supernaturally, and we don't always understand this spiritual realm because it's uncomfortable to many of us, or we live into our fear, and we don't live in the bold proclamation of the victory in Christ. So maybe a confrontation needs to happen, and other times through intercessory prayer, needs to happen. The disciples came back to Jesus and said, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And Jesus says, it's only through prayer that this type of demon can be cast out. You see, not every system that we have and what we think, you know, if, every, if we're a hammer, everything's a nail, or if we're a nail, everything's a hammer. I don't remember. But there are things that God is calling us to respond to in our lives every single day. There are things in people's lives that he is prompting us to respond to, to to encourage and surround one another because Christ is one and we need to become more bold in living into that. God sometimes does supernatural things or works outside of our box of thinking in order to get through to us, in order to bring about his kingdom. So I'll close with this. When I was in my early 20s, Carrie and I were uh, attending a charismatic church in Virginia where we were living, and it was uncomfortable for me because I, I did not grow up charismatic Pentecostal at all. And so like when everybody's raising their hands and yelling and shouting, it's like maybe my hand went up like a little bit, you know, off the chair in front of me and the pastor would give me grief all the time. He's like, hey, Jeremy, I saw you lift your hand a little bit this Sunday. Good job. You're going to get there. It's like, okay. But we were involved in a uh, young marriage group. And there was a couple that was there, and I was having breakfast with them and Carrie. And I said, hey, you know, sometimes I'll have these dreams where some random person will just pop into my brain that I haven't even given thoughts of for 10, 15 years. And there they are, clear as day, no rhyme or reason why they're in my dream for this particular time. I can't explain it. 
And they said, well, you ever considered praying for them? No. Okay, well, look, here's what you're going to do. Take a journal, take a piece of paper, uh, pencil or pen, and when you have these dreams, write down their name next to you. Like, just, if you're going to go back to sleep, just try to write down who it was and what was the situation, and then go back to sleep, or when you wake up in the morning, pray for them. And start praying before you go to bed that God would have rain over your subconscious and bind Satan from trying to get in there in your subconscious as well. I said, okay. So I started praying, and then it was amazing. Not every single night, but throughout the week and throughout the months, people were just coming, popping into my dream. I was like, wow. And I started praying for them. Now, some of you would say, well, you know, come on. I mean, that could have been explained for a whole other reasons. Why don't you go do some studies on dreams and stuff like that? How do you know it wasn't, you know, it, it was God telling you to pray for this person? Do you think prayer hurt anybody? Like, it's, it's like, who's going to not want prayer in their life? Of course, right? So it, it's a win-win situation anyway. Hey, someone pops in. Hey, they're going to get some prayer. Well, it's not from God. Doesn't matter. They're going to get some prayer. And I'm going to send some God their way. And it's going to be all good. So the intent behind the sermon series and starting with the miracles to the power of the Holy Spirit is that I just wanted us to realize that there is more out there. That there is more that we can experience of God. There is more in the boldness that we can experience if we would just choose to enter in and ask God to open our eyes that he is wanting us to be kingdom builders. And we don't need to be afraid of things, that we can be bold, that we can claim this victory that Christ has already won and defeated Satan in the end, that we can live into that each and every day of our lives. Once you experience that, you don't want to ever let that go. You want other people to experience that as well. And I just don't ever want us to lose sight of that here in our congregation. All right? Yeah, I got one. Don't make me go back. I'm going to repeat it. All right. I've never heard any. Okay, that's the only clapping that's ever happened in this church after a sermon. Oh, okay. All right, let's pray. (laughs) Jesus, thank you for continuing to reveal yourself to us. Thank you for your grace, mercy, and love, and just how awesome you are. God, you are equipping us, and you are empowering us to do your work here on this earth, that you want us to be your hands and feet, and God, you want to speak, you want us to speak truth into the situations. You want us to spring life, and you want us to bring light, God, into all things. God, where Satan is, they cannot stand where your light shines. So as we go through our lives, we go through our days, help us to lean into a conscious dependence of you, of the Holy Spirit. God, that you will give us the discernment and the wisdom and the care and the guidance to be able to navigate what needs to happen in situations, God, and that we would not run from it, we would not flee, but that we would press in, being bold, knowing that you are with us. And Satan is defeated. And so we live into that victory not only today, but from this day forward. We praise you and proclaim your goodness now and forever. Amen.